Hello and welcome. That was a pathetic hello there. Hello and welcome to here's Johnny's reviews and my continued look at Hannibal Lecter franchise with 2001's Hannibal. Coming out 10 years after the great Zavats Alarms was this. Now remember at the time the hype was huge for this movie. I also remember reading that neither Jonathan Demi nor Jodie Foster wanted to return to this as they were disgusted at how the script was looking and Foster hated the way Sterling was rewritten. So the search was on for a new Clarice. The front runners were John Anderson, Jillian Anderson even, Sarah Jessica Parker and readers of all Callister Flockhart. Hmm. I was annoyed when Anderson didn't get the role, all because of her ex-files role would not let her play an FBI agent and I thought she would have been perfect for the role after all. Scully is pretty much Clarice. Ironically, she wants to play Hannibal's lover slash doctor in the now sadly cancelled TV show. Anyway, this was the first and only lecture film I saw in the cinema, and I saw it on opening weekend, and when I walked out, I was a little disgusted at this movie. 16 years later, do I feel the same? And that is what this podcast is here for. With a budget of $87 million and pulling it a paltry $165 million, with a new actress in the lead and a new director in the seat, here it is, Hannibal 2001, starring Anthony Hopkins, Joanne Moore, Ray Liotta and Gary Oldman, directed by Ridley Scott. The plot, on a run for years, Dr Hannibal Lecter comes out of hiding to help disgraced FBI agent Clarice Starling after a drug bust goes wrong. However, a skeleton from Lecter's past comes back to haunt him. Can she catch him before he kills again? And can the shame put back on her career? And note, I haven't seen this since this cinema, so here we go. And the movie opens up on a pitch black screen with a conversation between Nurse Barney, played by Frankie Faison, and wheelchair-bound paedophile with half his face cut off, and main villain of this, Mason Verger, played by Gary Oldman. And note, Ridley Scott wanted late Christopher Reeves to play Verger, and indeed he agreed until he saw the script. And then he changed his mind. After all, we couldn't have Superman being a child molester, could we? Also note, Gary Oldman only agreed to take this role if he was under heavy makeup, which took over several hours to apply, and his name wasn't in the credits. So anyway, they discuss Lecter and Starling's late-night chit-chats, with Verger's personal doctor standing alongside him, Dr. Cordell Doming, played by Zeljo Ivanik. I think I should pronounce his name. If it's not, I'm sorry. Star of Oz, True Blood, Suits and many more TV shows and movies. And they discuss just how fond Lecter is of Starling. Barney then hands over Lecter's iconic mask, which he sells to him for a princely sum of $250,000. Then the titles come up, and with some piss-poor mock CCTV footage of Valencia. Then on to some pigeons in which you can see Hannibal Lecter's face. Finally, after four minutes of titles, do we meet Clarice Starling Mark II in Joyad Moore of Jurassic Park 2, Psycho Remake, a movie I covered last year, check my archives, the Kerry Remake, and Still Alice, as well as dozens more movies. At the time, I only heard from Jurassic Park 2, and I was not impressed. In the back of an FBI van, asleep, going to a drug bust where she quickly takes charge, much to the annoyance of the local police. During the ridiculous walkthrough of how she thinks the bus will go down, she tells him to be careful of sus- suspect Evelinda Adromgo, played by Hazel Goodman, because she will possibly bite and spit. 
And she also may have needles in her hair with her own blood in it as she is HIV positive and this is utterly fucking ridiculous and way over the top because you cannot catch AIDS or HIV from a simple bite or scratch and not even a pinprick. It has to be a full pint of blood for God's sake. Anyway, the bust goes sideways as Starling shoots off her baby in her arms. The press got hold of this and it seems to be the last straw for Clarice as her boss was rid of her because she's a bit of a loose cannon. And note, this baby it was not a real baby, it was a piss poor doll. And I remember at the time watching the behind the scenes of this um, and they banged out about how much this baby cost to make, apparently it was a couple of thousand dollars, and how much this fish market cost to build because this was a set as they blew it to shit. And this thing was a complete waste of bloody money because it looks like one of the fucking piss your own pants Annie dolls because really piss poor. Anyway, this drug bus goes wrong however and it was not Starling's fault. It was a picketed police officer Bolton played by Terry Serpico of Purge Election Year for not listening to Starling's instructions. After the major balls up it shows Starling crying in a hotel room so she still has feelings as one of her ex-lovers were shot and killed and several other men were killed. It then shows Verger watching on the news on a TV in his bed. He then puts a plan into action to draw Lecter out of hiding by using his connections to squeeze Starling after this unwanted media attention. On to a meeting of the heads of the FBI and the DA, also the Justice Department, in the shape of Paul Crindler, played by Ray Liotta of Goodfellas, Copland, Identity and many, many more movies. Ultimately, they want to throw Starling under a bus for this raid going sideways. However, Verger steps in to save her last minute by offering her a carrot. Uh, something about information he knows about Lecter. Hmm. After the meeting ends, we get an awkward and uncomfortable scene of Crendler eyeing up Starling and pretty much forcing her to deal with Verger. So she goes off to this huge ash mansion in the middle of nowhere. And note, this is the same mansion as it is in Richie Rich. To meet Lecter's fourth victim and almost survivor. Lecter has his meeting with Starling in private after Cordell's protests even. Verger also tries to spook Starling by showing her his face or what is left of it as she attaches a microphone and dictaphone to him. She takes no notice and continues her interview. He however pushes his sordid backstory onto her about how he raped little boys and girls at his own private summer camp and then laughed that he has immunity because he is so bloody rich. We also get his backstory as to what Lecter did to him, i.e. he got him high on poppers and then got him to slice his face off of a broken mirror shard. With Lecter then picks up the pieces of his flesh and fed it to his dogs. This unfazes Starling and she asks Verger for information he has on Lecter and he just hands him over an x-ray. After this near and useless interview, Starling heads back to the FBI to look at files and tapes on Lecter. And we're 25 minutes, I believe, into this 2 hour and 20 minute movie, and this thing is stuffed to the rafters with filling. It could have been sliced down. Jesus, jinkies. The tape Starling first plays shows Lecter attacking and eating the nurse's face off, which was discussed in the first movie. However, it was said to be 1980, but this tape shows it to be 1988, the first of many cock-ups. Clarice sees on the tape an old friend, Barney, from the Mental Institute, or Nuthouse even, and stalks him, showing him caring for an injured pigeon on the road. Again, this pigeon stuff could have been cut because it makes no fucking sense. She interviews him off the record, but of course, as to how and why he survived Lecter for over six years, with him saying because he was civil to and nice to him. Starling, however, sees through this 
and notes that Lecter's cookbook was sold on a black market for over $16,000, so he's probably selling his little knickknacks on eBay. She puts a stop to this, demanding all the stuff he has on Lecter. Then Barney tells him that Dr. Children taped all their late night meetings after their first meeting. And what I never got about Barney is if he's been selling off Lecter's things for years and getting hundreds of thousands of pounds or dollars even for these, why is he living in such a shit house and why the hell is he still a bloody nurse? Barney then hands over tapes to Clarice, which she listens to in her house alongside, which she gets an x-ray from Barney, which is the same fucking x-ray on what Verger had. Hmm. Of the time when Barney broke Lecter's arm after the attack on the nurse. On the tapes, Lecter talks about pigeons being deep rollers and shallows, whatever the fuck they are. Then she listens to a redoing of their first meeting again. How the hell did children get this one? Because it was said children didn't record it until after the first meeting. On to Valencia, where we meet Inspector Piazzi, played by Giancarlo Gianni of the Daniel Craig, Craig Bond movies. He's on a case of a missing Doctor of Fine Arts and needs to talk to Doctor Fell about this mysterious disappearance. Fell is of course Hannibal Lecter, played again by Sir Anthony Hopkins. The cat and mouse game is on, with Piazzi knowing Fell is indeed Lecter but he needs proof. Back with Starling in FBI archives, in which she gets a handwritten letter from Lecter, which Lecter narrates in voiceover, and during the sweep of Lecter's house, we see he's playing the piano and notice the book on Red Dragon on his desk. And note the FBI Most Wanted list on a website which Sterling is using has a picture of Bin Laden. And I wonder if Scott's thoughts to remove this on future edits after 9-11. It then shows Sterling taking a letter to an FBI specialist which he finds a fingerprint. However, he tells him this won't stand up in court. Also, the paper and ink and wax used in this is commonplace but very expensive. Then for some reason, we get shots of crime scenes and dead bodies in all their glory, gory detail. For no bloody reason. Why did you see shots of people getting their throats softened and their face cut off and disemboweled in us? Why was this necessary to fill in? Back with Starling listening to yet more tapes, this time of their third meeting, the infamous quid pro quo stuff. Clarice is shown sniffing the letter, which she takes to experts to ID the smell. It turns out this is Perfume is coming from a hand cream from whale fat, which is banned in the United States, however, is available in Japan, Rome, Paris, London, and Amsterdam. Back in Valencia, with Piazzi asking his men for opera tickets again, this is, could have been cut because this makes no bloody sense. Then, onto CCTV footage, he thinks he sees Hannibal Lecter at a perfume store in town. The game is on as it shows Piazzi. Stalking Lecter through town, he also spies Lecter, wiping fingerprints from a wine glass before leaving the restaurant. So that's how Lecter wasn't caught for over 10 years because he wiped down everything. Knives, forks, plates, cups, glasses, etc, etc. That must have been a fun bloody way to live for 10 years. It then shows Piazzi looking up the FBI most wanted list. As his much younger wife whines about wanting opera seats and decent ones this time, not back row seats, telling me he is her sugar daddy, however, he can't keep up with her gold digging demands. As on the FBI website, he finds out Lecter is wanted with a bounty of $250,000 bounty on his head. However, after a quick search on Yahoo, he finds out Verger has a $3 million bounty out on him. Back in Starling's basement office, how very X-Files of them, it shows Krendler looking over her things and files on Lecter. So, Starling startles 
Crandler then tells him why Elector kills the people he does, i.e. improving at the foot section of the Baltimore Philomotic Philomotic Orchestra, I can't fucking say word right. Philharmonic Orchestra even. Crandler then puts pressure on her to hand over information, saying he can easily end her career just like that, until she tells him bluntly she told him to go back to his wife and rejected him. And I can see why Foster didn't want her to come back, because she's a complete, utter, cold-hearted slut. First she has it off with Crawford, then she has it off with her FBI boss, and now she's having it off with the... Justice Department heads, Jesus, jinkies, with nothing from Valencia, no Valencia, it's Florence, they're bollocks, with nothing from Florence, as Piazza destroyed the tape, Clarice calls Italy to get another copy sent to her, and even there, the police are objectifying her, even though they haven't seen her face, by drawing nude pictures of her, back with Piazza, he is showing, calling Verger's hotline, however, the number is not in service, so he hangs up, and seconds later, the public phone rings, and it's Verger's men who tell him to call a lawyer. However, the number is given as a pre-recorded of someone telling him there's a hundred thousand dollar reward for a fingerprint belonging to Lecter. With that, he heads to Lecter's office to try and sneak off with a fingerprint on an object. Lecter, however, is three steps ahead. After Piazzi thinks he's fooled Lecter by saying he's after the suitcases belonging to the doctor that Lecter killed in order to become the head of fine arts. Lecter tells Piazzi about one of his ancestors being hung naked and gutted at the Plazo Veltico. I think that's pronounced that. If not, sorry. Lecter walks off to get gloves, saying it's always freezing cold in this old 15th century building. He then picks up the suitcases and walks Piazzi out of the building with them. Hard luck there, Piazzi. He's a step ahead of you. It then shows the dirty cop buying a cheap silver bracelet, then getting a street pickpocket to wear it, and getting the pickpocket to pickpocket Lecter, allowing himself to get caught, having Lecter's fingerprint on it, and he'll... Once he hands over, he'll go light, light on him, sending him to a minimal security prison, or the hell that bit was. Cut to the pickpocket stalking Lecter, however, Lecter sees us coming and leads the pickpocket down a dark alley. Lecter stabs him in the guts and walks off calmly as a young man falls to his knees onto Piazza's arms, who, after fighting out the pickpocket, got the fingerprint, lets him bleed out from the gushing wound just above his groin. He then washes off his hands in a boar fountain, which is important for later. At Verger's home, he has the bracelet scanned, and it does indeed have Lecter's fingerprints on it. With Verger, with that, Verger calls his hitmen to get his highly trained killer pigs ready to be shipped to the USA. Back to Piazzi, as he checks the Swiss bank account for his money, and he tells the banker he still wants to be involved in the case up to Lecter is caught and handed over. So that night, Piazzi takes his gold-digging wife to the opera, sat only two rows behind Lecter. After the opera... Lecter hits on Piazzi's wife, as Piazzi looks on very uncomfortably. Cut to Starling looking on the FBI Most Wanted list, finding out who accessed it, and here she gets Piazzi's logins. Finally getting the tapes of Lecter at the perfume store, she springs into action and calls Piazzi. She warns him that Dr. Lecter is dangerous and do not take him on. She also thanks him for his, quote, help. She then tells him, she knows someone in his department has been on the FBI website. He slams on the phone and runs off unarmed to arrest Lecter. As in the shadows, Verger's men watch Piazzi. Onto a lecture held by Lecter about Dante and Judas and how they were how and why they were hung and crucified. 
Piazzi goes in for the kill however, Sterling phones him on his mobile phone, or cell phone, and Lecter knows the game is still on. After the lecture, Lecter empties the hall and goes in for the kill, first knocking him out with chloroform with the line, I'm giving serious thought to eating your wife. He then strings him up, tied to a jack, and throws him out the window. Just before he does, Stalin calls him on his cell phone, which Lecter answers and they have a quick chit-chat. He then guts him and throws him out the window. As his cell phone and the guts hit the ground, the crowd starts screaming. And note, these were real pig's guts news for this scene and not fake guts. Lecter then walks off into the shadows, killing a hitman by slicing his throat wide open. I'm now in to the second hour of this 2 hour and 20 minute movie. Back at the FBI, Starling watches a tape of the murder with a glint in her eye and cut to Verger in his bed asking Cordell if Lecter is waving hello or goodbye straight at the perfectly edited camera footage, which is clearly not bloody CCTV footage. The next day, we see Starling running in the hills as someone is watching her from the distance. Back to Verger wearing Lecter's mask, asking if Lecter wants to fuck or eat Clarice. So, Verger puts a plan into action to get Clarice fired and hope this will draw out Lecter. As he crawled, Trendler giving him a postcard, he wrote supposedly from Lecter in order to frame Clarice for holding back information, which he sells to Trendler for a sum of $500,000. This works, and Clarice is put on administrative leave. On the news, Krendler gloats about having Starling fired. So now back in America, somehow Lecter managed to go from Italy to America without being caught. Hmm, this was, I suppose, pre-9-11. He breaks into Krendler's house to steal mail. Lecter is then shown buying dishes and then breaking into hospital to steal equipment, including a cranial drill and saw. At a lakeside house, Lecter sets up home. Cut to Starling returning home late at night with her FBI things. As she cleans her cupboards, Starling listens to yet more tapes of Lecter and Barney's talks about more bloody pigeons. After drinking almost a full bottle of scotch and falling asleep, Lecter breaks into her house to steal an outfit. The next morning, she's awakened by a phone call from Lecter, telling her where to go and what to do. They then chit-chat over the phone about how her career's been going for the past 10 years. As she's driving to the meeting place, she's getting followed by Verger's hitmen. In some sort of mall train station, Lecter and Starling have a cat and mouse game as Starling desperately tries to hunt him down. Starling spots the hitman and tries to warn Lecter but takes three steps ahead and notes the mirror ground is a nod to the 39 steps. Starling finds a pair of Goshi heels, or Goshi heels even, in a photo booth for her as Lecter runs off only to be caught by the hitman. So Lecter's dragged in the back of a van in broad daylight with hundreds of witnesses and no one bats a bloody eye. Starling is then shown getting grilled on the street by her boss, yet there's no bloody press. You're trying to say to me Harold Lecter has been spotted in America and Clarice Sterling has been fired from FBI and the, and the press has not been anywhere near her on this one. Fucking bullshit. It then shows the FBI and local cops checking out Verger's home. Of course, finding nothing because Verger's not a fucking idiot. Verger calls the hitman and kicks his plan into action. Or part two as enemy. It then shows Stalin driving into a field for no bloody reason. Back with Furger, he has Lecter tied down to a jack and taunts Lecter, telling him he will be fed to killer boars. Stalin somehow finds the pig pen and stops Lecter from getting fed to the pig's feet first. However, she's shot by one of the hitmen and Lecter is now wearing his mask, carries her off to safety. So, with the hitmen all dead and the pigs having a feast, 
Dell dumps Verger into the pig pen to be eaten alive and note, Verger's body was jelly stuffed with meat and food that looked like blood and guts. However, these pigs were indeed highly dangerous and indeed tried to eat a production member's fingertip off. And what I never got about these highly trained killer pigs is why didn't they attack Lecter or Starling? After all, Starling is shot in the shoulder and is bleeding profusely. Lecter takes Starling to the lake house where he removes the bullet. It turns out the lake house is Crendler's. And Lecter springs his trap into action by knocking him out. Starling wakes up that night, groggy from the surgery, dressed in her best black dress and heels. Stumbling around the house, she finds the phone has been cut and her gun is missing the bullets. Walking into the dining room, she finds Crendler has been tied to a chair with Lecter, drilling through his head, cutting off brain parts and serving it for dinner. Starling gets the phone working and calls her backup, so with the homophobic arsehole Paul dead, and the backup coming, Lecter makes a run for it. And note, the CGI and the robot head looks awful, as Lecter feeds Paul his own brain. This thing looks fucking cheap. With backup speeding to the lake house, Starling tries to bash Lecter's head in with a candlestick, only for him to easily disarm her, and locks her ponytail in a fridge door, and this is the old style 50s fridge door. So, he goes in for a kiss, and she handcuffs him to her. He has no choice but to cut off his hand to escape, and note there are three different endings, one where he cuts off Starling's hand, Another one where she cuts her ponytail off and shoots him down at the boat. And one where he bites her face off. Yet this one's shown, hmm. With sirens filling the air, Starling goes down to the lake shore. As a 4th of July fireworks spark in the air, she spots a boat floating off into the distance. On a plane, now one-handed, Lecter feeds some human brain to a small boy as credits roll. So that was Hannibal far too long for its own good and gory for its own good. This thing is a blood fest which is unnecessary. Moore has none of which Foster brought to the table and this was the start of the downfall for Hannibal Lecter and indeed Ridley Scott. This thing could have been cut by at least 40 minutes. This thing has well too much padding and too much filler. I'm going to give this thing a 3 out of 10. So come back next week for my look at Red Dragon then following week for the wrap up movie Hannibal Rising. October is Halloween, my look at the first three Hellraiser of movies. November is bad video game movies such as Mario Brothers. December is festive funnies such as National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And January is John Camder movies such as The Fog. So don't forget to leave a like, follow and comment on my SoundCloud. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me movie suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other franchise podcast of Mad Max, The Lost Boys, Star Wars and more. Also my solo podcast of Aliens, Donnie Darko, Die Hard and dozens more. And a bye bye. Now if you excuse me, I'll have to try some new things. Ta ta. Jai.